0: Greetings, in the name of the Triune God, welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Salmonach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit Church.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K BaptistChurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Greetings. Welcome to the SBC Daily Word for Thursday, June 10th. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 16. So find a copy of God's Word. If you're not watching this live, you can pause this either on YouTube or on Facebook Live. Again, if you're not watching it live. um, And I want you to see some things in this section of Ecclesiastes. Aside from the poem in chapter 3, of a time for this, a time for this, a time for this, a time for this. We're going to see one of the more familiar passages that perhaps you've heard some teaching on in Ecclesiastes. Again, the angle that we're looking at Ecclesiastes through has to do with this idea. The church during the exile, and or the the people of Israel rather, during the exile and after the exile collected texts, okay? And one of those collections are the wisdom writings of different teachers from Israel's history, but especially Solomon. And Solomon is known in the tradition of Israel as one of the wisest humans to have ever lived. So there's a lot of wisdom literature attributed to him. And what a lot of scholars think, and I think there's something to this, is that Israel as a community led by one of its teachers, took these teachings and organized them, recorded them, shaped them into what we know as the book of Ecclesiastes. Some of the language in Ecclesiastes comes more from the sixth century rather than specifically from the time of Solomon. So again, this isn't something we can be adamant about, but when you look at the issues that Ecclesiastes addresses, it seems to be more connected to the time of potential prosperity after the exile, as they get back to normal, as they get back to being able to build an economy, as they get back to life that looks a little bit after exile more normal. Now, one of the reasons that's a helpful angle, and this is oftentimes the interpretation that pastors go with, What's the interpretation that preaches best? Well, we're beginning, especially this coming Friday, as we enter into phase five of the Restore Illinois Plan, we're beginning to really start to see what post-pandemic life is going to be like. And as we move in from this time of scarcity to potentially a time of prosperity, I think Ecclesiastes is wise because during the pandemic, we kind of had this year almost of exile. A lot of the things that we're used to were taken away from us and we experienced a lot of loss. And now we're starting to get things back and we need to be wise. We need to not forget the lessons that we learned. As stuff gets back to normal, I'm starting to think, oh, there's going to be aspects of pandemic life that I'm going to miss, okay? I'm an introvert. Social distancing is something that we kind of like to do. Being able to hide my expressions behind a mask is something that that puts me at ease. But then in some ways, the simplicity, the slowness of pandemic life is something that caused us, I think, to learn some lessons And I hope that we take those lessons with us and live a good and wise life. One thing that we all, especially right now, are confronted with is we were created as a people for companionship. This is one of the most difficult things of pandemic life. Social distancing, stay-at-home orders, not being able to, for health and safety reasons, hug be together we are uniquely positioned now especially heading into somewhat of a more normal life to understand that we were made by god read genesis 1 and 2 we were made for companionship and that is what ecclesiastes 4 7 to 16 is about so there's this poem within this section. Basically the structure of this is poetic and the center of this poem is this idea of a three-stranded cord cannot be broken. But let's kind of unpack here what this poem is about. As he seeks to help us grasp this message of how we were created for companionship, the first thing he teaches us in verses seven to eight is the solitary life is futile. Verses seven and eight. Again, I saw vanity, meaninglessness, pebble. I saw vanity under the sun. Verse eight, the case of solitary individuals. Without sons or brothers, yet there is no end to all their toil and their eyes are never satisfied with with riches. For whom am I toiling, they ask, and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. I read those two lines of Hebrew poetry. And I think ultimately of Ebenezer Scrooge, this man who before his conversion, before his dark night of the soul, before his ego was crucified by visits from angels. He toiled and he toiled and he toiled, but he didn't toil for another He toiled for himself this life that is independent of god this life that is without an other for which to labor is a meaningless life in other words the life that we live should be a life lived for others i love how the apostle paul references this in the book of ephesians he says let those who steal steal no more instead and this is a loose paraphrase let him get a job and then he gives us the answer for the job the answer for the job is not let him who stole steal no more instead let him get a job so we can stop stealing and meet his own needs instead he says let him who stole steal no more instead let him get a job that he may share with those in need beloved work shouldn't be for us our own bank accounts work should not be for this magical american dream of retirement work should be for the good of others the solitary life is futile so that's kind of this negative meaning now in verses 9 to 16 He's going to say the well-connected life so we have the solitary life leading to futility now he's going to reverse that and say the well-connected life will flourish so just like the solitary life leads to futility the well-connected life will lead to flourishing how does it help us flourish look at verses 9 to 11. two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil For if they fall, one will lift up the other, but woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Healthy connections lead to flourishing because healthy connections help us overcome adversity. Verse 12. How do healthy connections lead to flourishing? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A three chord a threefold cord is not quickly broken. so there's this safety in in the pack in in the herd. and this is again something that we learned during pandemic. during pandemic, we were forced for for, for good healthy reasons to create some distance sometimes between us and others. For the sake of our own physical health yet what did we see that affected our emotional health that affected our mental health that ultimately there is something way beyond the physical that is connected to health that is about us being connected with each other so not only do healthy connections help us overcome adversity they help us in protection from the enemy now in verses 13 to 16 He's going to get very, very relevant because as most of you know, um, we have a 1400 square foot house and there's seven of us in that home. You Linda and I, and five kids. We've had conversations recently about how in our premarital counseling, the pastor asked us how many kids we wanted to have. And there's, there's a little bit of a discrepancy about how many I said I wanted and how many Linda said she wanted. I'll just summarize it this way. She got her way more than than even she anticipated. And yet, one of the things that, that I have to find ways to do is to um, find sometimes for the sake of community, time alone, which is difficult to find in a 1400 square foot house with seven human beings in that home. Well, verses 13 to 16 start to talk about how Healthy connections can be something that can be difficult, but difficult in a way that are for our good. Beloved, are there not difficult things? Things that aren't fun, things that aren't easy, but that are for our health. Think of exercise, think of healthy eating, thinking of regular visits to the doctor, things that we not rather do, but when we do those things, they are for our good. So now 13 to 16 is gonna talk about how sometimes there's there's some friction and how we can navigate that, 13 to 16. Better is a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king. I think one of the things that we're seeing here in this collation of Solomon's teachings is that his wealth and his, his celebrity almost made him a very, very lonely person. And in that loneliness, he found some folly. Better is a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king will no longer take advice. One can indeed come out of prison to reign even though born poor in the kingdom. I saw all the living who, moving about under the sun, follow that youth who replaced the king. There was no end to all those whom he led, yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is a vanity and a chasing after the wind. Possibly a reference here to Saul and David, and then Solomon, and how even in those good times, there was foolishness that kept from people not receiving from prophets in our lives, the good and wise counsel. So healthy connections keep us wise and keep us humble. Oftentimes, for me, that takes form in a conversation with a parent, in a conversation with you, Linda, in a conversation with a wise friend, to where I just need to in that conversation, hear myself say what I'm thinking and simply that act of having somebody to listen to me helps me find what is wise and helps me find even the humility to admit that I am wrong. Beloved, humility and wisdom are things the Bible says never come to us without healthy connection. There's a lot that we could see in this poem. Those are the things that I'd like us to see. Now, just two ways that I think we can hear from Jesus from this poem. Jesus is greater than Solomon. Jesus is greater than the teacher and the community who compiled these writings for our purposes. So how does Jesus help us live what this poem presents to us first? Accept the church. Maybe a better verb is receive the church as the grace of God for all he calls his own. In other words, this connected life versus solitary life. In our culture, we're going to immediately probably go to nuclear family. I've talked to you about my wife and kids and our home or conversations with parents. Oftentimes, that's where we immediately go. But as Jesus tells us in Mark 3, who is his mother, sister, brothers? those who gather around him for the purpose of doing God's will. Ultimately, for God's people, the church is this sphere where we can have healthy connections, healthy relationships that will lead to flourishing because those church family of God relationships help us overcome adversity, offer protection from the enemy, and help keep us wise and humble. Accept the church, receive the church as the grace of God for all he calls us his own. One of the only times Jesus in the gospels mentions the word church is in Matthew 16 and 18. These are two places where Jesus gives extended um, teachings for us about the church. And do you know what led to Jesus bringing up the church, Peter is the first human in, well, first one of Jesus' disciples to confess Jesus' true identity. Jesus calls the disciples to himself and says, who who do people say that I am? And they give him all these options. Then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Simon, but God has revealed this to you. And then immediately after confessing Jesus for who he is, Jesus now connects Peter to the church. He says, you are Peter, you are rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church in the gates of hell. The adversary of all adversaries will not prevail against the church. So beloved, when you and I come to a right vertical relationship with god the immediate fruit of that is healthy connected relationships in the church so that leads to the second thing i think jesus would say to us from this poem and it's this he wants us to understand and pursue healthy connections he wants us to understand and pursue healthy connections beloved, even within the church, there are connections that aren't healthy. So I want us to, in true wisdom teaching fashion, think for a moment about what is a healthy connection. A healthy connection can survive conflict. In Matthew 18, Jesus teaches about the healthy connections in the church are going to work themselves out this way. We're going to be a people who point out our sin to each other, not in a judgmental way, but in the 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 vein of, in the context of creating reconciled relationships. Stanley Hauerwas says, never forget, it is a sin to think you are capable of naming your own sin. You are only able to know your own sin by being told by another. That comes straight from Matthew 18. That the way it works is within the church, there needs to be such healthy connections that, 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 that when there is something between Those connections within the church, we go and we say, This is what I'm seeing as an obstacle that you're contributing to in our relationship. Can we talk about that? So that's what that's a good understanding of what a healthy connection is. A healthy connection can survive conflict. John Townsend and Henry Cloud in their book Boundaries describe how a healthy connections and can survive conflict they say this this is one of the marks of a truly safe person a truly safe person is confrontable every relationship has problems because every person has problems and the place that our problems appear most glaringly is in our close relationships the key is whether or not we can hear from others where we are wrong and accept their feedback without getting defensive. Time and again, the Bible says that someone who listens to feedback from others is wise. Did you hear that? Time and again, the Bible says that the person who listens to feedback from others is wise. But someone who does not is a fool. God uses people not only to nurture us, but also to open our eyes to sins, selfishness, and denial in us. Love also means saying, I hold this against you, as Jesus did when he confronted the churches. Three times in Revelation, in Revelation 2, Jesus comes to a church and says, I have this against you. The one who knows us best, loves us most, and one of the ways he loves us is by saying, this is coming between us, so he names it. Being confronted on character issues isn't pleasant, It hurts our ego, it humbles us, but it doesn't harm us. Loving confrontations protect us from blindness and self-destructiveness. Safe relationships are centered and grounded in forgiveness. When you have a friend with the ability to forgive you for hurting her and letting her down, something deeply spiritual occurs in the transaction between you two. You actually experience a glimpse of the deepest nature of god himself people who forgive can and should also be people who confront what is not confessed can't be forgiven god himself confronts our sins and shows us how we wound him i have been hurt by their adulterous hearts which turned away from me and by their eyes which played the harlot after their idols ezekiel 6 9. When we are made aware of how we hurt a loved one, then we can be reconciled. Therefore, you shouldn't discount someone who has something against you, labeling him as unsafe. He might actually be attempting to come closer in love in the way the Bible tells us we are to do. Beloved, one of the ways that healthy connections lead to flourishing is healthy connections, can look at painful situations, can look at hurt, and offer them truth, and offer them forgiveness. May the grace of God create in your life, in my life, and in the life of the church that gracious, healthy connection. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.